for me personally, I am pro, pro, pro Asian manufacturers. I've mainly worked to Chinese manufacturers and I had no problems. Like there's no language where I think that that's, that's what I personally have found. I'm on my fifth manufacturer now. And I think I've got, I think I've got it. Well, I had one in London, which was good, but he was very expensive, but very good, very lovely. If you're doing like smaller things, I would recommend to go to him. But, but yeah, that was my first manufacturing experience. And I must say it did affect my, my mental health. And it was the reason why I took like four or five months. I just didn't do anything with the brand. I was like, I can't do this. It's not for me. Maybe this, this is a sign. Like I have no kind of good judgment of character. Like how can I start a brand? This, this, that. And it was a whole big thing. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Designer to Designer, a podcast where we dive into deep, candid conversations with fashion designers, professionals, and entrepreneurs. As a fashion designer and entrepreneur myself, the journey has sometimes been lonely, but I get over the tough times by being in good company. My mission is to make sure you never feel lonely again as you grow your fashion empire. I'm your host, Rebecca Tembo, founder of self-titled Jumpsuit Label and The Entry Platform, a platform for aspiring designers to develop their skills within entrepreneurship, design and mindset. If you enjoy this podcast episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Hello designers, happy Monday or whatever day of the week you're listening to this. Welcome back to Designer to Designer. So by the way guys, are you loving the consistency? Every week there have been fire episodes, genuine and candid conversations and guess what? It's not stopping. I thought about doing seasons for the podcast but for now I think I'm dedicated to dropping a new episode every single week this year and hopefully for many more years to come. When I was actually thinking about it I was like okay if we do seasons that means that we can only interview about 30 designers or so but I just want more conversations. I want you guys to you know have constant positivity just blasted into your ears every Monday or, or whenever you listen to this podcast. So um, yeah, let's stick to every week. I'm enjoying it and so many more episodes to come. A lot of things have been pre-recorded. So yeah, exciting stuff. Anyways, this week we are joined with Jade, the founder of Resigner London, which is a women's wear brand for the tall ladies. Jade is six foot tall and finding nice affordable clothing has been a struggle. Um, tall ranges, especially in the UK, pretty much non-existent. So Jade has boldly gone to cater to a market that the fashion industry doesn't pay enough attention to. I'm excited for you guys to hear this episode because Jade gets into so much from manufacturing nightmares, how to approach manufacturers on Alibaba, how she found her confidence as a tall woman, and managing her time building a brand, a tall woman-friendly community, and working as a manager in the construction industry. By the way, did I mention that Jade is 22? No, yeah, I don't know how she does it, but she's doing it. I won't give away too much, but if you like this episode, please leave a review or just rate us. This will really help the podcast and the community that we are building. Guys, there's 400 of you that tune in weekly. Help a girl out, please. (laughs) Anyways, I hope you enjoy this episode, guys. And yeah, speak to you soon. Welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. So I met Jade, I think you were, was it your year 11 prom or year 13 prom? Year 13. Year 13 prom. prom. So years ago, when I did your prom dress, which was like a gold v-neck gown, which you wore, Mm -hmm. came to my house, did a fitting and everything. And I feel like just kind of be there through each other's journeys, because you've obviously seen what I've done. I've seen what you've done. Um, you've come to the workshops, you're highly, highly, I guess I'll say you're a very loyal member of the entry community, which I love. Thank you so much. Um, so it's been amazing to experience my journey with you and to also see what you're doing. So do you mind telling us about Rosanna London, how you came up with the name, what inspired you to pursue um, having a fashion brand? Okay, so Rosanna London is a combination of my mum's name and my grandma's name. Funnily enough, I was in my room I didn't want to name it after myself. Like I felt that my brand was almost bigger than me and what I wanted to do with it. So I thought, I don't want to name it Jade. And obviously I'm based in London. So I combined my mum's name, Zena, and my grandma's name, Rosalind. And Rosanna kind of formed and that's how that happened. 
Um, I've always been interested in fashion and um, I've always been tall, so I own a tall fashion brand. And the reason why I even went to Rebecca for my year 13 prom dress is because in year 11, I couldn't find a dress. Um, I ended up going with a dress that was too short, a dress that was too um, too big for me, and it just was horrible and I just felt really ugly. So I knew that my year 13, I want to get it custom made and blah, blah, blah. And that's what started the journey um, towards wanting to start my own fashion brand because I realised I probably wasn't the only tall girl out there struggling. And yeah, that's pretty much how it started. Amazing. Thank you. Talk to us about some of the struggles that you've had with clothing when you're going shopping, um, even finding brands online. And I guess also what would be great would be finding competitors. Yeah. So in the UK currently, so for everyone who doesn't know, I'm six foot tall. I've been six foot tall for ages. I remember the first, my first memory of my height being taken was in year seven. We were doing um, BMIs in maths. And then also you have to check our height, our weight, and so on and so forth. And in year seven, I was five foot 11. And then somehow across the last 10 or so years, I've grown an inch. So now I'm six foot. And that's pretty, so I've always been tall. Mum always says I was born long. Like I, I feel like I actually skipped some heights when I was born. Like I've always been tall. I'm from a tall family, so it's quite normal. Um, but then shopping was, and still is to be fair, an absolute nightmare. You know when you watch like TV shows of sleepovers and all the friends are sharing clothes or like, you're going to borrow your friend's jumper. I could not relate. That wasn't something I could do. And it used to really annoy me when I was younger. And I guess I've always been into fashion. And I just felt that I love fashion, but fashion didn't love me. And even now, most of London, my brand, is one of four or five brands that are tall specific in the UK um, that are like over a year old. And that's it. And yeah, so like there's one brand which is was made in like the 70s or 80s. And then everyone else seems to happen like the last 10 or so years the other three of us and that's it so being a tall woman and wanting to look cute is difficult and even these brands that have tall sections either it's terrible quality or it just doesn't fit like there's I feel like tall is more than just adding a couple inches it's about where the waist is where like uh, um, the hip the hip to knee that length and then the knee to ankle and all these kind of bits of bobs that people tend to not know unless you're a seamstress and you work to tall bodies or you're actually a tall woman Anyone in between just tends to not know. So I know it's difficult for me. And so currently I'm focusing on basics because like the whole thing with me having to get a custom prom dress, I wanted to focus on more kind of going out pieces because I thought that was my biggest pain point. We love a satin dress, but we can't find a bodysuit. We can't find a tracksuit. We can't find the basics that aren't like 50 pounds for a tank top. So can you please do that? And that's how I've kind of come scale it back and then I'll build in the future. But yeah, shopping as a tall woman is disgusting. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible so yeah. yeah I love how you just mentioned that about shopping for basics because I remember someone of you know whatever you would call the average height or whatever talking about um it wasn't actually about clothes it was, it was about shoes and just saying how there's all these brands and they're all creating these like really cool designs but where can you just go and find the basics like the basic court hill the basic like strap sandal hill and stuff like that and mm-hmm. it's like we try and create um these new niches or brands and product lines but we never actually think about why don't we just have that standard piece though, you know? If you're great at knitwear, then can't you just have a simple knitted midi dress that you can wear anywhere as your basics? Because those pieces always bring you revenue all the time. You don't have to really worry because you know that there's a product that people need and anything else is just an add-on. So it's great that you're able to hear your customers' feedback and then, you know, move from there. But one thing I wanted to touch on quickly before we go into the other questions was about confidence, being a tall woman. Because I've seen you, um, you know, tweet about it. You've posted some clubhouse conversations about being tall, gaining that confidence and just accepting and loving who you are. So how did you go about finding that confidence? It was definitely a journey. I'd say it started. I, it's funny how when you grow as a person, you don't actually remember growing. You, you suddenly grown. You remember who you were. You remember where you are now. And the in-between is always a bit murky. But I remember specifically NCS, the National Systems Service, when I was 16, that year 11 summer I went on this thing and I literally I think I only one person there from before everyone else was strangers all around the same age and I think across the three or four weeks two people mentioned my height and that was it and no one treats me differently so I was like okay the people my age they're all from kind of like London different races and everything Uh, I guess a lot of my height issues per se were internalized 
I was like, okay, cool. And then that's when I kind of started realizing, wait, people can actually like me for me. And I think a lot of an interesting thing with kind of self-hate and your perception of yourself and how people perceive you is that it can be warped, but you take it as reality and it's not. It's just these things that you think and they change and so on and so forth. So I remember thinking, hold on, everyone's treating me weirdly. If anything, I'm the one that's being like, oh, I'm too, too. like, I'm the one that's even making issues about my height. Maybe it's not a thing. And then when I got to uni, again, I kind of, you need a good time to like reinvent yourself or whatever, because again, people don't know you, so on and so forth. And then again, the height thing wasn't a major issue. And I think by the time I got to my placement year, when I was 20, and as I was building Rosanna, it kind of all helped. I must say, building my brand and meeting other tall women has definitely helped to grow my confidence as a tall woman. And ultimately, I had to just say to myself, you can't change it. Like, there's actually nothing I can do. And if anything, it would be weirder genetically for me not to be tall. My mom's tall, my dad's tall. I have tall family members. If anything, I'm average height for my family and for my gene pool. So it's like, what is the problem of being tall? Nothing. If anything, people spend their whole lives trying to stand out. And that's why, like, on social media, I'm Jade the tall one. Because it's like, oh, Jade, which one? Which one? Oh, Jade, the one that's tall, that tall one. In interviews, it's always Jade the tall one. Jade, and that's how I just, I was like, you know what? Let me accept it. It is part of who I am. And I guess something that I naturally stand out, I can, at concerts, I can see very easily because I've got great eyesight. So there's, there are some positives out there. It's about focusing on them versus, like, focusing on the fact that, oh, I don't know, when I'm washing dishes, my, my you know, back hurts because the, the sink's too low. Is these small things to focus on. And I think definitely building my brand, meeting other tall women, talking to other tall women, and being like, okay, cool, I'm normal, and but also extraordinary. It's this kind of two things of, I'm like everyone else, but also I'm amazing. So I think all, that kind of, all those kind of things kind of helped build, build Jay the Tall One and this thing that I've got going on and my brand and everything all together. So yeah. And I mean, being tall isn't not normal. It is normal. Like, any height is normal. Like, whatever. <laughs> there is no, um, like, um, there might be, like, an average height across the whole world in terms of the average person is this height. Exactly. But it doesn't make you, like, not normal if you're Absolutely. not that height, you know? Like, you mentioned the clubhouse rooms I've been doing, like, with the tall girl community. And that's been amazing because, like, meeting tall women all over the world. But in our rooms, I'm saying our, my rooms, I banned the term too tall because you can't can't be excessively yourself like you are just who you are and the words too tall like okay factually I am above average height yes but I'm not too tall I'm not excessively tall I'm it's impossible to be excessively yourself and that's something I've had to kind of understand and now push forward and try and promote with what I'm doing that you're not too tall it's impossible like you can't be too much of yourself actually like, genuinely it's impossible to be too tall yeah because you are just tall like it is what it is like you can't you can't be too tall that's it and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it but thank you so much for sharing that because I feel like whether it's height or appearance or whatever there's something that we all don't like about ourselves or not that we don't like about ourselves sorry but we have been taught that it's not normal or that it's not desirable and it's just good mm -hmm. that to hear your perspective on how we can actually improve that I think your point on the fact that a lot of your thoughts were internalized the thoughts that you had created it'll be something that um, a lot of people will be able to kind of like have a think about what they think about themselves too so thank you so obviously you have a niche of tall women and you've discovered that there is hardly any brands especially in the UK you're the fourth or fifth in the UK who caters to tall women have you found it challenging having a niche brand yes and no yes initially because I guess I guess when you're starting a brand anything it is usually your closest circle the ones to support and kind of get those first sales you know maybe your first of 50 sales would be either friends or friends of friends or family majority of my friends are not tall and when I say not tall, they're not even average height, bless them. They're like the five, three, the five, fours. And bless their hearts, they were trying to buy a couple of pieces here and there. And it was very cute and very loved. But they are not my target market. It is what it is. So I think that was my initial thing of not knowing where my audience was. I knew that they existed, but I didn't know where they were. And funny enough, to try and counteract this problem before I was launched my brand, that's why I started blogging as a tall woman, as for tall fashion, to actually be like, do these other women exist? Theoretically, I could not be the only six foot tall babe in the world. It's actually impossible. But practically, do they exist? Do they think like me? Do they want to buy my clothing? Do they want to hear from me? Do they actually care? So that's actually why I started Jay the Tour and the brand um, and my blog and eventually my YouTube and all that kind of bits and bobs for that purpose. 
So I kind of found jibs and jabs with these two women. And so at one side, I was like, okay, cool. How do I reach them? They exist. I've seen like, in like my YouTube comments, this, this, that, cool. And they're not my friends and family. But on the flip side, as a positive, I'm so much more focused because I think as, I don't even like calling myself a creative, but I create stuff. So a creative is what I am, I guess. I want to create everything. <laughs> I want to create shoes. I want to create hats, bags, clothing. I want to create 15 different jeans. I want to create everything. And I think just being able to focus on just two women and specialise in that has definitely helped me because even now, focusing just two women, I still want to create everything for two women. And then focusing again now on basics for this time being, for being like to myself, Jay, for the first at least six to nine months of 2021, just basic, and then see what you can do after. And I feel that it's more purposeful because I'm genuinely fixing a problem. I think this is whole thing starting a brand. Everyone's been an entrepreneur. Everyone's been a business owner. You ask them, what's your niche? People are stuttering, people are stammering, people are struggling. Asking what's my niche, I can say confidently, tall women's clothing, and that's it. And I consistently have requests for um, um, petite women and quote-unquote average heighted women to like, design pieces for them because I do enjoy sketching that kind of thing. But I actually refuse. I say to them all the time, I'm sorry, guys. Find your person. Find your petite babe out there. And maybe, who knows, 5, 10, 15 years, sure. But for now, my focus is tall women exclusively, solely, 110%, putting myself into that. And I think it does help to just have that focus. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the good thing about having a niche. It gives you focus. So yeah. it's very easy to be like, does this align with what I'm working on right now? Does this make sense to know that I'm sorry, I can't do it? And then it just keeps you aligned with like what you're doing at that point. So yeah, really good. So I really wanted to speak to you about manufacturing because you have told me so many stories. <laughs> Guys, I can't even tell you the number of stories Jade has told me when it comes to her manufacturers and basically how crazy they are. And I feel like this is why I really wanted to do this um, recording because, you know, a common question that I get a lot, I'm sure you get it a lot, is where do you find a manufacturer? Like, how do you find one? And blah, blah, blah. And I always say, number one, Google. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, the best thing to do <laughs> everybody every designer says google it because how do you think we found them but secondly even if i recommend you a manufacturer i might have a good experience with them but you might not and i can't tell you why that is maybe they just like me they don't like you <laughs> or maybe they're just going through a rocky period their finances are a bit up and down so their service isn't as great like there's so many factors that play into it so let's talk about the challenges that you have face just give us a few examples story by story <laughs> okay so i okay i think people always assume that when you want when you choose to go down the route of manufacturing you can't sew i can sew i just don't like it and ultimately i'm not going to do things that i don't like because then i'm going to end up hating my brand stop the brand and then what's the point of that so, so i said to myself okay cool manufacturing i've got a new job which i double the salary to be able to afford it i said this is what i'm going to do cool let's go so I found a manufacturer in London. I really wanted to be based in London for due to some misconceptions about manufacturers abroad. Um, but I thought that, okay, I can control and be a bit more hands-on, especially in the very early stages of my brand. So I found a manufacturer in London. Before finding him and choosing him, I quote-unquote interviewed 10 different manufacturers in and around London because ultimately it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Does it work for them? Does it work for you? Can they do what you want? And everyone say, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. But look at their um, examples. Found him, and I chose him specifically because he told me he helped launch Misguided Tool. I thought, brilliant. Look at that. I went to teach him loads of things about tool clothing, this, this, that. First and foremost, in hindsight, did I even verify this claim? I did not. Who knows whether he was lying? So making the pieces with him, this, this, that. He, he said to me, Go to like Gold Lane or any kind of fabric shop, get a swatch of the fabric and I'll source it for you wholesale, including the price. I thought, brilliant, great, saving a bit of money, sorted. I paid him a lot of money. And things, the samples were great. There was one thing wrong with the sample that I decided to make the dress a bit longer because initially when I was sampling it, I used a five foot eight model. On the day of the shoot, I used a six foot model and it was just a bit too short. I thought at least a couple, three or four inches, add it to the bottom. The way that it was designed, it'll be okay. He said, cool, 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 brilliant. Then communication got a bit rocky. 
to the point where I actually drove down. So for reference, I live in southeast London. He's based rather in northwest. At this point, I was on crutches because I had I had an issue with my knee. I'm driving in crutches across London. Keep in mind, I'm working at nine to five. So I took a day off work, drive across London to knock on his door and be like, hello, hi, where's my stuff? He stopped responding to my emails, stopped responding to my calls, all of this. In the end, he got the pieces um, delivered to me. Turns out, okay, I went with him initially because he had a factory. I saw the factory, I saw the workers, cool. Turns out for my pieces, he decided to outsource them to another factory because when there were issues, he said, oh, the factory made a mistake. I said, what factory, what's going on, this, this, that. Apart from my initial collection, I had five pieces one of which um, was a jumpsuit, like a scuba style, like tight catsuit kind of vibe, stunning piece, I must say myself, V-neck, cross back, and had a V at the back that was like just a couple of inches above your, so above your bum, a bit cheeky, something a bit fun, and it was like in this lovely Lorex glittery thread material, stunning. When it arrived, two problems. It wasn't the fabric I chose, it wasn't the fabric I sampled. It was a lot cheaper fabric. And said, what's going on? Like, what, what the hell is this? And luckily for me, I saw the samples. And I was like, wait, what's going on? Secondly, it was too short. When I complained to him, you know, actually, he stopped answering my call. and complained to his assistant. And she said, oh, it should be okay because it fits me. I said to her, but hun, you're five foot one. Surely, if you try to sample it, it fit you. That should have told you it's wrong. If you as a five foot woman can fit into it, it's incorrect. They didn't believe me. I had to then drive down again. At this point, I'm in uni in Birmingham. Driving back to London, again, taking a day off uni, taking a day off work because I was working in Birmingham. Drove back down to London, tried it on in front of them. And they were like, oh, nothing that we can do. The pattern was correct, this, this, that. I said, but obviously the pattern wasn't correct because on the other photo shoot, a six-foot model wore it and it fit perfectly, the sample. Call, 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 back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Next thing you know, he's changed his, like, he moved um, factories or offices. So I drove down again to like, complain to him and he used to live above this construction guy who's always let me in. I said, oh, where is so-and-so? They're like, oh, they moved like three months ago. They, they're not based here anymore. I said, what's going on? I said, what do you mean? So I went on company's house, found his address again, then drove to that new address and it was all back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Back and forth. In the end, to get my money back, I spoke to um, Sisson Advice Bureau to see if there's any like, legal action I can take. There was not because what he did wasn't illegal, um, it was a model, they were saying, because he delivered pieces, just not without the details, blah, blah, blah. And something to do with the fact that on the invoice, it said the amount of pieces. And I even forgot the worst thing. Sorry, last bit of the story. Designed a maxi dress, um, asymmetric neckline, V-back, a lovely like singular strap, one long sleeve, thigh-high slit. It was everything in a dress. Again, something I've learned, you don't have to put every single feature in one dress, Jay, take a break. But at this point, I thought, I need it all. I need it all in this one dress. Real. On the sample, it had a zip. Because the way it was structured needed a zip. I get the pieces now. Let's just put them to the side in different colours, different fabric. I asked for, like, it was a goldy, orangey kind of thing. They gave it to me in black. And black with gold thread. With a peach lining. I, so many questions regarding that. And there was no zip. I complained. He said that the design doesn't need a zip because of the fabric. I said, it's not your choice to make. <laughs> I need the zip. He said, oh, he'll refund me for the zip. They were 15p each. I said, I don't want a refund for the zip. I need the zip in the piece. And the pieces don't fit without the zip. I tried it on. Go back to him now. And this is, again, wasting my time. So I ended up launching four months later. I wasn't even happy with the pieces. The photos weren't correctly depicting the pieces because they were different fabric everything the fit of the trousers and the top that I had was still really good so I was able to sell some of those the dresses the dress it was nice in black it was what I wanted and I still haven't got a refund funny enough I was looking for new manufacturers in the UK came across him again with his third um, name change of company so guys if you need to know who this is to avoid him feel free to DM me because I've been, because honestly, you don't want the stress. And this is why he has no reviews, because he keeps changing his name. And I've seen so many, so many horror stories about manufacturers in the UK. I'm so very sorry. Unless you're making like one or two pieces, if you're doing anything in bulk, I wouldn't recommend UK manufacturers because either they're too big, so they don't really care about you as a small brand, 
will they choose more people to do what they need to do and they end up outsourcing to these bigger brands to these bigger factories and then it ends up for me personally i am pro 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 asian manufacturers i've mainly worked with chinese manufacturers and i had no problems like there's no language where i think like that so that's what i personally have found i'm on my fifth manufacturer now and i think i've got i think i've got it well i had one in london which was good but he was very expensive but very good very lovely mm-hmm. if you're doing like smaller things i would recommend to go to him but, but yeah that was my first manufacturing experience and i must say it did affect my, my mental health and it was the reason why i took like four or five months i just didn't do anything with the brand i was like i can't do this it's not for me maybe this, this is a sign like i have no kind of good judgment of character like how can i start a brand this this that and it was a whole big thing i'm happy i decided to not quit but having a bad manufacturer the amount like the way it affects you because the money lost the time lost everything is just too much yeah so yeah one of many stories unfortunately yeah it really makes you question a lot of things um i spoke about some horror stories with um dami how was the founder of dami how the activewear brand and she had very horrible experiences, maybe two or three bad experiences before finding a manufacturer. And the yeah. issue is the amount of money that you spend and you're not getting that money back. And I'm like definitely all for manufacturing your pieces. Like I was just saying to Jade before um, our call about how I'm not necessarily in a rush to release anything new, but I just don't want to sew like I was doing before when you literally just feel like a slave. I don't want to do that, especially as both my businesses have picked up it's, it's I can't physically manage it and outside of that I do you know consulting freelancing and all that kind of stuff it's impossible so I'm all for manufacturing abroad saving giving yourself some peace peace of mind and yeah. just you know keep insane because it's crazy and I think the financial part is the hardest because money is so taboo for starters um as a topic in general yet alone it's not just manufacturing your clothing. You have packaging. You want to, like, you know, be able to give yourself a little bit of money. There's um, random expenses, legal fees, all of that kind of stuff, shipping, customs. And it's like, it's all on you, you know? And a lot of us don't have so much financial support outside of ourselves. So it's a lot of pressure. So um, honestly, well done for sticking through. And do you want to maybe talk a little bit about how you found your manufacturers in Asia? So... I went on Alibaba.com. Funnily enough, when I had my first issue with my manufacturer in the UK, I messaged um, a designer I'm obsessed with, and she was like, oh, go and just go on Alibaba.com and you'll find them. And literally, it Alibaba.com is basically Google for manufacturers, mainly in China. You can find anything. And this is where a lot of people that do wholesaling find their pieces, and you'll see it, and you'll see them using the same photos from the from this site on the website as well. You see what they're charging you and you'll be in confusion. The key with Alibaba is to find someone that works with your fabric, not necessarily that they make your piece, because your, your designs make new if you're a fashion designer. So it's things like, for example, if I'm, if I'm designing um, a tracksuit, tracksuits have been done. Someone out there makes tracksuits. It's regarding the quality and whether they make or like the colours or whatever they work with, whether they can do embroidery, for example. So for me, the tall brand, I tend to be looking for, or I did look for people that make men's tracksuits because men tend to have longer legs and they tend to be used to the leg length, which I've had a lot of problems with designing tall brands, especially in China where everyone is like stereotypically very short. I had a lot of issues that people assume my numbers are wrong and they just make whatever they want. I'm like, wait, no, I know what I mean by 36-inch inseam. I know what I'm doing. So my customers are up to a 42-inch inseam. So I know what I'm talking about. Like, don't kind of mix and match. But Alibaba.com literally is trying to never keep things I'd say was shop around, get quotes from people. Because I had some, someone quote me $50. It's all in US dollars. $50 for a sample. Someone else will quote me $120 for a sample for the same thing. So if you, if I found the $120 person first, I'll be like, call that standard. So literally just shop around. Um, and everything is negotiable. Every single price is negotiable. Don't this isn't tesco this is a market okay this is the time to be your like wheeler dealer dull boy kind of thing it's just awesome to, like if they say 25 dollars, say 10 worst case scenario they stick with 25 worst case scenario but you have to try and like even a 50 cent saving if you're ordering 100 pieces that's a lot of money 
So every little counts. So it's just, I think I used to be so scared of like negotiating and these kind of things. It's negotiating, not haggling, ultimately is a business. And once they see it from the UK or the US, they tend to actually up their prices, assume that you have more money because they're misconceptions about generally the West. So negotiate. And honestly, the quality I've received of both service and pieces and fabric has been insane. So I would definitely recommend Alibaba.com. I know there's another one made in China, I think it's called. I personally haven't tried them, but I've heard good things. But Alibaba.com, I also like the payment situation as well, where you kind of pay Alibaba and then they pay them. So no one has your card details, things like that. Um, you can also pay by PayPal with them. So yeah. And if anyone asks you to like WhatsApp them instead, I'd say no, because they start to bother you sometimes. And I'm lucky I've got a separate work phone. So I've got my Rosanna phone and I can see them messaging me, especially when I've told them like, no, I don't want to work with them. They'll still message me like, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. So I would just say stick on the app. App's easy to use. It's like texting or whatever. It's super easy. And it also tells you what time it is in their country at the top. So if they're not responding and you're messaging at like 10 p.m., it might you can at least see why they're not responding and that kind of thing. So definitely Alibaba.com is a good place to look out for. Um, and just literally take your time, know what you want, and be very specific and clear about what you want. It's not time for doing brainstorming with them. Come with your numbers, come with what you want, come with reference photos, come with sketches, and it will be easy breezy. I was actually just about to ask, what do you think people should come with to approach these manufacturers because when you do approach suppliers on, on Alibaba, for example, they'll be like, oh, we can't give you a quote until da, 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 da. So what do no, you think? No. Obviously, they do give you quotes, but like a lot of people ask the wrong questions and they yeah. will say, hey, I want to get a dress manufactured. How much will it cost? Well, we don't know how much it's going to cost because we don't even know what the dress is. So what do you think should be maybe top three, top five things someone should already know or have a good idea on when they're approaching and sending that first message to a manufacturer? I'd say numbers you want to order. So, like your, so your quantity. MOQ, yeah. But what I'd say, ask them their MOQ and then say what you're willing to buy. Because someone, literally someone today, that their MOQ is 300 pieces. I said, that's too much for me. They said, oh, we can do 30. Because they're just trying to, they're, they're just playing the game. So honestly, I'd say with MOQ, don't say what you're willing to buy. Ask them what their MOQ is. Minimum order quantity. MOQ. Ask them that first. Um, ask them the unit price as well, so how much it's going to cost for each piece, because a sample might be $50, unit price might also be $50. The math isn't math, so it doesn't make any sense. So ask them the unit price. There's no point spending money on a sample if you can't afford the bulk. It doesn't make any sense. Ask them the unit price. Ask them in this MOQ how many sizes you can get. Sometimes, sometimes only be three sizes, but you need five, then you can negotiate that. Before you even know, money should leave your account before you have the answer to these questions. Ask them what they specialise in. Ask the other products. So, for example, I've got some satin PJs coming out. The guy I'm working with does satin dresses, satin PJs, satin this, satin that, different types of satin. And I know that he knows how to work with the fabric. Will ask them um, what's it? So fabric MOQ. Um, oh, lead times. How long is going to take? I only so in China they have Chinese New Year, obviously, but it's a massive holiday for them, and. Obviously, well, during COVID, some of them are actually leaving um, the factory to go back to their hometown on the 10th of January. Chinese New Year is like on the flipping 12th of Feb. They have like over a month of holiday where they are not making anything. I only found this out by accident because in the UK, Chinese New Year is like, what, a weekend max. And even then, it's not a big, big thing. But obviously, they're in China and they call it Spring Festival as well. So I was like, what is this Spring Festival? What are they talking about? It's Chinese New Year. So if you hear about Spring Festival, just ask them what's going on. What's the lead time? Ask them how much delivery costs as well, because they won't mention delivery, and it'll spring it on you. Ask them if they can increase customs in that delivery cost, so you don't have any extra cost when it comes to you. Um, and come to them with a clear sketch. If you're doing something basic, I'd say, top tip, go on Google and search, I don't know, um, joggers tech drawing, and get the tech drawing from Google. Screenshot that. Go on Word or whatever, do a table underneath, A, B, C, D, and label each section. So A might be the waist. Label that and put the measurement you want. Label that the measurement you want, and then they will make it, and you're good. And then they can scale it, and actually very good at grading based off that. Um, so come with some kind of sketch or drawing, and also come with knowing the fabric that you want. So if you know you want satin, so say satin, if you know you want a cotton, say the type of cotton you want, 
and make sure that you ask them the, the tiniest of details, like, I don't know, a drawstring. You want there to be a little metal bit at the bottom, just for that extra touch. You want, ask them, they can also do packaging for you. Some will put it in the bags for you. They can put hang tags, swing tags, um, care, wash care labels. They won't do any of this if you don't ask it, but they do offer it for free. Like some of them charge um, all the care labels at three cents per piece. It's nothing compared to you having to come back in the UK and sell yourself. No. But major things are delivery, delivery time, lead time, and um, always ask for videos of the fabric. Don't ask for photos. I don't know what it is about Chinese manufacturers, but their photos are absolutely crap. The lighting is poor. The angle is poor. Someone's hand is there. Someone's coffee is in the background. No. Ask for videos. <laughs> ask for videos of the fabric. Ask videos of them touching the fabric, of it moving. So you can see the quality um, and yeah, just things like that. So every little detail that you'd see in person is literally you're going fabric shopping, but virtually. And when they send a sample, ask for a fabric book so you can see the fabric in person. So you can touch it and feel it in person before ordering more, before all the different colours. And I would even save you time with sampling um, because then you can just order another colour in bulk. You've already seen it in person. Save you a bit of time as well. And also ask if the sample price will be refunded when you do bulk. Most of them will, but they won't offer it. But it is standard. So anyway, they're trying to sweet talk you, they'll say, oh, we can we can do this discount, blah, 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 blah. No, ask them for all of this. So I hope that's enough. That should be a couple of things to ask them. But yeah. No, that's great. And if you're listening, guys, make sure you go back and take some notes. It might sound a bit like, oh my God, you know, whatever. But once you have some notes down and you've listed, like basically made a checklist, all you need to do is copy and paste that to different suppliers that match what you're looking for. And then they'll, you know, you just take it from there. So that initial yeah. work is definitely necessary and needed. Otherwise, these manufacturers, they don't care. They just want to no. make money. They're not your friend. So I always say, like, do the most, do more than you need to. And I feel like, I, I mean, I mentioned this in the course and when I did the workshop earlier, you want to be that wow client for them because you want to make sure like you're, you're so organized you've got everything yeah. ready for them you're thinking ahead you're thinking outside of the box you're pulling them up on their crap you're not just taking them thinking oh whatever like it's okay or it's small or i'm scared no you need to literally be like this is not cool i'm not okay with it you need to be firm because if you don't they will walk all over you because they know they literally. can you know and it's good it practice and i'd always say this is why you need to message so for example, I had a new product coming out that I need to release in like October. So as far as that sampling now, I literally messaged the same message, copy and pasted to 15 different manufacturers so I can get all the quotes, get everything sorted. And, and literally within two hours of talking to one, I ordered a sample because I already knew what I wanted. It was clear, it was easy. It saves my time, saves their time. And they're always, they always realize that you're serious. Like, how much is this? How much is posted? How much is this? How much is that? And they're like, oh, have a wait. But that's their term. Have a wait, have a wait. And they get them their information. Um, also, on my um, business page, I'm going to post a checklist at some point in the next week or so. I'm not sure when this is coming out. But yeah, so have a look there as well. I'll put a checklist. You can print that out. And literally every single manufacturer, ask them the same questions. Utilize our good old sis, control C. Control C, control V, the same flipping thing. You don't have time, they don't have time. And that way you can always easy compare per manufacturer. And they'll come with all their, oh, hello, my friend, this, this, that. You don't care. What are the numbers? What's the quality saying? And they'll say, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Yes, you need to worry. This is your brand. It's your money. Get what you need to get from them. And honestly, if you get a good one, you're good. And always get updates because these men, will not, you won't get updates from them. Next, you know, where's my package? Some, the story of these manufacturers, one is when I said they will never see me again, I asked for a certain armlet. She sent me a photo. I said, where's the armlet bit? She said, oh, here it is. I said, that's not why I asked for it. She said, oh, the fact she made their own decision because they thought that you were confused. I said, I'm so, I'm, I'm confused now. And now I'm currently confused because I gave you the numbers. This is, a, this is an issue of language barrier. I've got, I've done the tech drawing. I put the arrows, arm length. You made the first mistake. You're not giving me another free sample because the same issue. What's going on here? And that had to say, and, and you have to just tell them how it is. If this, you make this mistake again, after this free sample, you will not hear from me. You will not tell another manufacturer because this is unacceptable. Because what is it? It is unacceptable. No, because no. you're paying your good, hard-earned money to pay for example, to try and build your brand, to have some kind of financial independence, to do what you want to do, to pursue your passion, and someone can't read numbers. No, no, no. 
we're not having it. There's not time to be polite. And and this British politeness we have has no place on Alibaba. That's not where it belongs. It belongs in customer service. It belongs to your friends. It belongs to your family. But on that app, you have to tell them how it is and say, no, it's unacceptable. This is not like, what are you doing? And keep it straightforward. Don't be rude, but just be firm, be concise. Yeah. Yeah. And just to wrap up on that point, um, always remember that there's time differences. So with us being in the UK, I think we're like eight hours, usually sometimes nine, depending on the time changes and stuff, behind China. So like even when I was doing my planners and everything, I had to sometimes be on the phone at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to get things done, get things moving. And I was also chasing them up. Like, yes, I know you said it's three weeks, but I'm going to contact you every day and I'm going to be annoying and I don't care. But the good thing is that they didn't mess up. I received my planners way before I was actually meant to. And everyone was happy at the end of the day. You know, they're even calling me now saying, when's your next order? So clearly I was pleasant to work with. But the point is they take you more seriously and that's what you want with any um, manufacturer. So you also run Learn Business with Jade, which is an Instagram helping an Instagram account, sorry, helping people, you know, start their brands and giving them tips from all the experiences that you've had and you work nine to five in a very demanding managerial position. So yeah. <laughs> you, you just told me that you hired a VA. Let's talk about time management <laughs> and how you, A, manage to do everything that you're doing and B, manage to take care of your mental health as much as you can during those periods. So I think first and foremost, I genuinely believe that you can't have it all at the same time. It's impossible to be a master of 15 different things. It's actually impossible. And I have tried and failed. I failed brilliantly, I must say. For example, I work in the construction slash engineering field, and it is inherently unpredictable. We could install something, there could be a drunk driver crash into it, It's and then we need that to be fixed immediately because it is a health risk. So every single day is a new day. You know, we have an interview that, oh, every day is a new day. No, literally, I wake up, I open my phone. I don't know what's happened overnight. I don't know what's going on. In both my nine to five and my brand. So I have to like deal with this whole kind of thing. Plus, learn business with Jade. I made the name very specifically learn business with Jade, not from. This is just me documenting all my mistakes. So that you can, you guys can make your own mistakes, but not mine. I think it's counterintuitive for me to make mistakes, to to cry all these tears and then no one to benefit from it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So that's the whole reason behind the, behind that. I think I'm be a bit more consistent this year because, again, delegating is an issue I've had in the past and potentially do still have. But it is being not able to delegate is a massive ego thing because it's like, oh, only I can do it. This is that. No, that, no, only I can do it and I'll now fall down and die. What's going on there? So I've had to delegate. My VA is amazing. She keeps me in check and she's definitely added to the organization thing. It's a small thing of not having folders for my emails, which doesn't take a lot of time, but it takes more than one brain cell. So I'm like, I'm over it. So then she's been able to do that and I've been a lot more organized. I've been able to organize like both shoots for me, things like that. And it's helped me because at least I know, okay, admin is sorted. Emails are sorted. That is sorted. I can focus on something else. Um, but balancing my nine to five and my business and I guess learn business with Jade, it is literally... Nine to five. I focus on my nine to five Monday to Friday with a sprinkle of the weekends. I'm happy to give my weekends up if I haven't finished something during my nine to five because my brain's only been half on it, that kind of thing. But ultimately, Monday to Friday, I have to prioritize my, my nine to five because that pays the bills and that pays a lot of time for my brand. When I'm starting out, if I need to do like a big stock order, and I haven't had like enough orders from like um, to pay for it, it's my nine to five that does that and they've hired me to do a job soon if I if I had someone to do a job I didn't do their job so I balanced it by focusing on that sometimes and then bulk doing other things because I can't bulk do my nine to five is actually impossible I can't preempt what's going to happen but I can shoot loads of little photos for a photo shoot for and then know that and the schedule stuff and I didn't even know about scheduling I knew it existed but I never did it my VA is sorting that out for me whereas um I wouldn't have been able to do that without my VA. I, I knew about it, but it's, it's another thing to have to sort out. And creating processes, it takes a long time. I do that really in my nine to five. I literally create processes day in, day out. I don't want to do it in my in my business, in my five time. That's what I'm going to call it, you know? So I guess I balance it by having help now. I do small things like you know, my, my sister's home from uni. So she helps me like organize stock sometimes. That's one less thing for me to do. I do it literally between my VA and just random bits of help. 
and also documenting my mistakes helps me avoid making them in the future, which is a massive, massive thing. I kept making the same mistakes or just not being organised. And again, creating processes saves you future mistakes, but it takes away current time. So it's one of those things about just realising, okay, Jay, this is long, but this doing this today will help me for the next year, two years, three years, create that process. So like a thing that I've done, which I'm so proud of, and I will tell everyone, but I planned all my releases for the whole year, for the first time ever. Usually, for like the last year, basically, it'll get to March, it'll get to spring, and I'm like, oh, I need something for spring. I'll sample it, but I don't have time to sample it and do bulk production, because it's not one sample, it's like two or three before it gets perfect, at least. And let's see, you know, it's flipping October, and I've, I've, I've got this, this crop-top two-piece to release in December when it's freezing. No. So I've had to just like, so I've now got the calendar, I've got all the stuff, um, like when I need the samples to be done, my VAs kind of kept me organised with finding out, just like remind me bits and bobs, like when to check in manufacturers and just that kind of thing. So I guess, and I think the, the worst or best thing is that I actually enjoy my nine to five. I genuinely enjoy my job. So that kind of thing, which I had before in jobs I didn't like, of being like, oh, it's okay. I could ignore this because it's not my passion. I genuinely enjoy my job. So that work, I enjoy myself that I remember I have asked to do. So I'm not sure if I answer your question because I tend to ramble on. But yeah, balancing is non-existent. Every day is a new day. I get the stuff done somehow. And it's it's like juggling. It's uh, it's one of these weird, wonderful things that you don't understand how you do it, but you get it done and you look back. And definitely taking breaks on mental health because there was a point when my mental health was in the gutter. Like during like right before August, maybe like July, June time, I was over it. I just graduated uni in a pandemic. And I think uni, graduating uni is a very big milestone for me that I thought was going to be a certain way. I thought I'd be graduating in the sun, taking my photo. My grandmother's are flying from Texas. We'll have dinner as a family. Like these kind of things I pictured in my head. I fully remember going to uni when like in 2016 and picturing me doing a boomerang doing 2020. Like on the day, of, like I had this so clearly picture that I fully remember in Jan being like, "What's my hair gonna be like for uni or like for graduation? What would I wear? Oh, I'll definitely wear a Rosanna piece and like this, this, that." And like I had such a clear vision of what it was gonna look like, and my graduation looked like me getting an email, me crying for half an hour because I did it, and then I think I went back to bed, and that was literally it. And I graduated, and that was it. My friends took me out for dinner, but it wasn't what I wanted. I think I'm a I used to be a very big planner, like a 15-year plan kind of person. And then COVID happened and everything just didn't happen. And, and it wasn't something I could have avoided. This wasn't a, oh, Jade, what did you learn from this? And how could you avoid it in the future? This was a, no, like no one could have predicted this. No one could have planned it. And it really messed with me and thinking like, I'm such a big planner and plans usually happen and I make things happen. And like, I happen to life, life, life doesn't happen to me, but life happens to me. And I was like, what is going on? And then it to my mental health and then feeling like I had some kind of pressure, obligation to be someone that I needed to be, to be this boss, baby, whatever that means. And like this, these kind of weird things. And so I think definitely a major learning curve regarding nine to five, learn business with Jade, Rosanna and my mental health is to remember why I'm doing it. And if it doesn't align with my why, forget it. Like I, like on my personal page, Jade the Tall One, I post a lot like on my story in my bonnet because I live in my bonnet. We're currently doing this um, podcast, I'm in my bonnet, because this is who I am. I feel like I felt that I had to be someone that I'm not. I had to, with my, my makeup done, be wearing a, like a really nice wig and like doing this or doing that and like having lashes and nails and things like that and wearing heels and being someone that I'm not. When ultimately, I'm, am I a cutie? Yes. But I'm not a full-time babe, okay? I'm a part-time babe, okay? I'm a babe on the weekend. I'm a babe at dinner in Mayfair I'm not a babe in my room and that's who I am and I enjoy what I enjoy and I'm a bit neaky and a weirdo and so like I remember there was a bit when I started growing my nails because I, I didn't have time for acrylics and I wanted to like shape them but I enjoy playing the piano and I've been playing the piano for such a long time and I cannot play the piano with nails because my flipping piano teacher when I was younger drilled it into me that it's fingertips not the flat bit and I just can't do it so I cut my nails because I'm tired of being someone that I'm supposed to be and like what is this? And that mess of mental health, because I felt in, is it in or unauthentic? I felt not authentic. And that just kind of, I had like a weird identity crisis of what was going on. There was a lot of tears. I realised I cannot be anyone but myself, because I don't have to be anyone else but myself, and I'm failing at trying to be someone else. And that helped me 
align and focus on my business or my nine to five, who might work, who am I my business, who am I learn business with and just being myself. And that's put a lot less pressure on myself and therefore on my mental health and help generally improve the whole situation, you know? Yes, definitely. And that kind of thing. Definitely. Thank you. I feel like that would definitely help a lot of people, whether there's in fashion or anything in their life, it's very, very relatable. And just being who you are and not what an entrepreneur or startup founder or fashion designer is meant to be like just doing what works for you because sometimes you will get advice and it will work for you some people like waking up early is for them you know dressing up every day like that is what they do and they love it and that's great but for some people it's like I just I want to wear loungewear all the time you know and I'm comfortable and it makes me work better because I'm comfortable so do whatever you need to do but I think we do have to go through those phases of trying things and then realizing that it's not for us so it's nothing to like regret or be upset about it's just like tried it didn't work whatever it's part of life it's just how it is so um yeah thank you so what does the future of Rosada London look like for you it's going to be interesting definitely say I'm just going to push myself last year half because of COVID half because of lack of experience half because of bad manufacturer I ended up releasing three pieces in total this year I'm launching four at least no Jesus four at least in Jan so I plan to have God willing monthly releases I plan them I've budgeted for them everything like that the next nine-ish months will be mainly basics until we get to the Christmas season, end of the year. And then I'm going to got some really interesting pieces. So in the next month or so, it's Assassin PJs for Valentine's Day kind of season. I I think I'm blessed with the fact that I am in such close proximity with my customers. I talk to them literally on a daily basis. I now have clubhouse rooms with them every week. So I can literally speak to them, hear their voices, hear what they want, understand them and how they live. And I suggest Assassin PJs because I think it's a good combination of what they want and who they are and what I want. I like a bit of luxury, just a smidge. And I love satin. Satin is my favourite fabric of all time in all shapes of form, from Duchess. Oh, Duchess satin? Oh, inject it. However, they want loungewear. So I said, okay, cool. Satin PJs. It's me. It's a bit of me. It's a bit of what you guys want. And funny enough, this third or fourth, whatever lockdown we're in in London, works with what I'm planning to release. So Satin PJs are coming out in time for, for Valentine's Day. We have black tracksuits because ugh, I just feel like <laughs> tall clothing is navy and black. I'm tired of it. But again my customer said guys Jade, you want a black tracksuit? I said cool. That's coming out sometime around this February Valentine's Day seems a, a key point. Before Spring Festival essentially <laughs> this stuff will be here. Um and that, those are the bits that I've already said I'm going to do so I can say that. Everything else, be some cute mini dresses, perhaps a couple of assassin pieces, but basically growing the brand. And I think a very important thing that I've learned is that you can't have trial and success without trying. There's always things like you have to try something big, be like successful. So dip my toe in, bits and bobs, a variety of things, restocking what people want, not do what people don't like, and getting feedback and just building the brand so this time next year within London will be something else entirely but exactly the same tall clothing and ultimately I'm very very big into details and fabrics so always like oh the new tracksuits I've up that hmm, that lining girl did someone say cozy because damn literally I think my at-home aesthetic is failed samples that's what I live in and but those satin PJs, they're not a failure. I've been wearing them to bed. I, w- I woke up in them on New Year's Day, like, yes. And you just feel cute and lovely. And like, even back to the customers, I wanted long sleeve shirt, long sleeve trousers, satin. That's what all I wanted. Someone stressed a short. Someone said camisole. I said, you know what, yeah, we'll do all four. Mix and match. What you guys want, get what Like, you guys can have what you want. Helps me, helps you. And I was wearing the camisole. I said, wait, this is a vibe. I didn't even consider it. Like, damn. So. I think, yeah, just listen to the customers. I would say to them, DM me an idea. I'll put it out to the, to everyone else. What do you guys think? And that's how I work. That's how I manufacture with my own little twist on it. So a smidge of satin, a smidge of, a smidge of embroidery, because it's a little touches that, that do it for me. So yeah, new bits and bobs, new pieces, releasing every month. I think my new method of manufacturing seems to be COVID proof, touch wood. So I should be able to manufacture regardless of whatever 
our government is doing in London and in the UK. Brexit tried to get me down. Those Brexit, those new prices, <laughs> damn. But I think I should be good. Fingers crossed, touch wood, praise the Lord, all of that. So, yeah, more, more stuff from Rosanna. Love, 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 love that. I'm very, very excited to see. And I think, <laughs> yeah, one thing that I probably need to touch on for the entry would be range planning just in terms of planning in advance and also yeah. not really being too worried about where's the money for all these collections. Like one step at a time, one collection at a time, we'll get there. But that's one thing that stopped me in the past of like, mm. you start to think of all these designs and when they should come out. And then you're like, I don't have any money. And then it's like, but then you stop, you know, but who said the money wasn't going to come? You just don't know how yet. And that's okay. But we'll talk about that. Look at, over well. Look at your customers and where they're based because it's cold here. It doesn't mean that it's cold where your customers are. I have a big US clientele and I'll, I remember I'll be asking what do people want and someone said shorts. I said, why do you need shorts? It's flipping November. And I remembered, wait, you're based in LA. You guys wear shorts every day. So it's just that, so you remember that because I was thinking I need to have like, I need to have like a fur, like some fur line situation. They're like, no. And they're the one that was screaming they want satin shorts. I said, you know what? Fair enough. No, Fair like literally everything. whilst we're here in our Canada courses. <laughs> <laughs> They're, 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 they're out here, literally, get the suntan. <laughs> Malibu Beach. <laughs> exactly. So that's why you can't, like, I feel like you, you have to not be so insular and I don't let your ego get in the way of what, like, honestly, if you want, if you want a brand just for you, just sew your own pieces, my dear. Don't worry. And I think, I learned from a friend of mine, who's also a founder, she was showing her song, Before She Does Shoes. And she was like, if you guys hate it, don't worry. I've already got my pair. You know, I've already got my sample. If you hate it, don't worry. Be honest. I'm not going to bring it up if you guys don't want it. And that's my new mentality. I have a sample in my size. I love it. If you guys don't want it, cool. I'll just wear mine. It's fine. And take your ego out of it. Get the sample in your size. Enjoy the rest that everyone hates. Have a great time. And forget, like, don't bring us away just because you want to say, oh, everyone's going to love it. Or ask your customers. If they don't like it, keep your sample and enjoy it in peace. Don't worry. Like, don't, get your e don't let your ego get in the way. There's a couple of pieces that people didn't like. I'm enjoying them in my own house. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. So don't get too emotional about it. I just, you know, like, just remember, because when they were asking for, someone said they want a mini dress. I said, mini dress? It's January. What do you mean, mini dress? And actually, oh, and I looked at her location. It's Australia. No wonder you want a mini dress, sis. Like, <laughs> it's still hot there. So, like, look at your customers and don't worry too much about seasons. Seasons are, I think they're, they're almost outdated if you want to keep it a buck. Like, especially as a small brand, you, you can't afford just for at least twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. So oh, just absolutely. forget season and think about the season where your customers are. And because I'm literally, I'm UK, US, Australia, it's always summer for someone. It's hot for someone or it's cold for someone else. And it's just realising that there is a world of Rosanna outside of London. <laughs> Even though it's called Rosanna London, I've heard of London, there's other weathers and other situations. So just to like design for that and keep that in mind. And if anything, that helps creativity because I'm not restricted to the grey outside. Definitely. Love that, love that. Do you have any self-development resources that you would recommend, such as books or podcasts? Maybe two or three. Two, I think two books that were like elite. I'd say Michelle Moan, her autobiography. Actually, you, you, you recommended it to me. Rebecca recommended it and I bought it. And I'm... You know, I think I fell out of love with reading because of uni, and I was like, oh, "Cool." I said, and she—that was the first book I read. I think the first book I read post uni, and I studied politics, economics. And it's, uh, there's only so much political theory you can you can study before you get bored of books. So I said, oh, "This Michelle, who is this woman?" Like, I actually didn't know who she was. And I was like, "Okay, hey, cool." Read it. I said, "Damn, it was—it's like it's half novel, it's half like educational." Half I'm drama. <laughs> I'm honestly half, half soap opera. I'm here laughing. I'm crying. And then the, you know, divorce happened and this. I said, damn, Michelle. Like, you'd be going through it. Then I followed her Instagram to find out about her new life. Because this is actually right before, I think the end, it ended with like, the way she met her, now her new husband. And I was like, let me find out. Because it's like 2017, I think, or 2016, 2017, when she wrote the book. I, 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 she's now married to the Spoiler, sorry, guys. But like, honestly, 10 out of 10. And I really said, okay, cool. I am, I think... Sometimes you can focus on what you're underprivileged in, but you actually have so many privileges. Even just being based in London is a privilege. Being quote-unquote educated is a privilege. Having solid internet access, believing I can maybe do it, just a smidge of self-belief, because I haven't been downtrodden for the whole my life, is a privilege. So she helped me realise I have it bad in some cases, but also I'm privileged in other sense. And even just being able to afford to buy her book, to read it and to take it in, 
that's cringe in itself. Also, Ryan Holidays. Obstacle is the way. That's the one. Obstacle is the way. And I read it and I said, wait, no, wait. You know, you're doing your reading and you, you have to go back a page to read it again, to let it properly like cement in your mind. I said, damn, Ryan, look at you. How do you, how you write about me? How do you know me, sir? And I listened to his podcast episode with Jay Shetty. Do you know, I'm the kind of person, if I find something out about someone, I I listen to everything. Every, I just put into Spotify, um, what's his, Ryan Holiday. Every interview I must know, every article. I'm going to buy some of his other books, reading this and that. And even like doing book reviews on Learn Based with Jade, it just helps me pause and actually absorb the book versus just reading, 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 like reading for reading's sake. So I have to read, pause, what did I learn? What did I appreciate? And what will I revisit? And those kind of lessons. So those two books, I would say that Ryan Holiday and um, Obstacles of the Way was actually transformational and actually changed my life. I will say that. And like, I'm, I tend to be hyperbolic in where I speak, but I'm not even being hyperbolic there. Genuinely, like, yeah, 10 out of 10 recommend. And also, I'm a book reader. I don't do this Kindle BS. I can feel the pages and feel the words between my fingers and absorb it that way, you know? Other resources, like podcasts, I do enjoy Design to Design, I must say. I will, uh, you know what? When you asked me to do this, I was like, wait, <laughs> me? <laughs> Lol, <laughs> not me. But and I was like, okay, cool. What, what was my favorite episode? I don't actually have a favorite, but I would say that there's three. Yasmina's episode, love that. Makia Cannon's Obsessed. And I think um, Ardell. Those are the three. I said, because it's interesting when you're a fan of the person and the brand and then to hear more about them. I would say I enjoyed those ones. And also Guy Raz. Um, how I built this. Oh wait, and Chelsea from Svelte. Her episode was really interesting. How she like, how she come back after work. She's busy cut. cut was it cutting those those paper hats? I said, what are you doing cutting she that sis after the work? Strongest work ethic. Like it's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, and then I because of that, I actually bought some of her pieces. And she, oh, yeah. I said yeah, they're even cute. cute. I said, what? Look at you cutting a design that like, doing this. Yes, you. Yes, sis. Like love it. So. Um, and then obviously Guy Raz, how I built this. Because I think there's loads of processes and things like place. Like the Calendy episode. I was like, I didn't know that Calendy was so new. And like Calendy, I feel like, unfortunately, in the last like 20 years, I'm only 22, these things have been made and they've just always been there for me. Like, I don't remember a time before Google. I don't remember a time before Facebook. I don't actually remember a time before Calendy. But by the time I came into the workplace, Calendy was strong and going. I actually remember a time when people had this issue. And it's funny how like, these simplest of issues, is a simple solution that actually make the most money. So that episode with Top Player, I can't remember his surname, but that Calendy episode, great. 10 out of 10. Like, he, this guy was in debt and in debt again, like double trouble. And then his, his mum passed away. I said, Top Player, you were going through it, sis. Like, bro, I'm so sorry. So like that really motivates me again to be like, everyone's alive and well, you know, I'm not in debt debt. I'm not even in debt. I always say, if I'm like, if I'm minus one pound in my overdraft, I'm like, I'm in debt. I'm sweating. I'm not in debt. I'm actually okay. But these kind of things and just really inspire me. I, funny enough, I feel like non-fashion people inspire me more. I don't know anything about them. I don't understand their industry at all. I'm like, wow. And I just learn and get inspired at the same time. So like the fact that he's in tech, tech just really interests me, but also I'm so confused. So I like listening about them and then also it kind of takes, take them, takes my mind off my own struggles because I'm like, oh, developers, oh, I, I, that's not a problem for me. So I can like be like, oh, that's so sad. But I think, yeah, those two podcasts I listen to a lot. It's good to be like, oh, wow, and like go back and learn in. And Jay Shetty as well. Jay Shetty, he had a really good episode with Chloe Kardashian, funnily enough, that I really enjoyed. And I, it's an interesting to like hear how her mind works and what kind of thing she's into as she's getting older and things like that. And I, I like Jay, um, I like his voice as well. Because if you have a good podcast but a terrible voice, I'm so very sorry. I'm not here for it. I can't enjoy some oh, some bland voices. Great content, but your voice just drags on. So yeah, those three: Design to Designer, How I Built This, Guy Raz with NPR, and Jay Shetty, the Monk or the Monk, something like that. Something about him being a monk. His podcast, something about him being a monk. His um, those are the three, and then Michelle Moan and. Ryan Holiday, um, The Obstacle is the Way. Those are two books I'd say, damn. I actually wouldn't recommend reading fashion books because they're always outdated. And YouTube and Google, your best friends, save your money and go on YouTube and Google. You find out a lot of information. And yeah, so fashion books, I find a personally waste of time. Shoot me if you want, but it is what it is. Google's there. And yeah. Love that. 
love that love that note and i love every single one of those recommendations <laughs> including designer to designer but hey <laughs> thank you so where can our audience find you so you can find me on instagram and twitter and now clubhouse new app in the in the in the atmosphere or whatever you want to call it um at jade the tall one literally spelled how it said jade the tall one um, my brand was in london is spelled r-o-z-a-n-a-l-d-n um, on Instagram and, and obviously online, rosannalondon.com. If you're tall and a babe, let me know what you want to see. Shop the brand, super affordable price, I must say. And for business tips, just to follow my journey, see how I'm doing, see what's going on there. Learn Business with Jade on Instagram and YouTube. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jade. I'm- Literally, thank you for having me. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it and gained a lot of valuable knowledge to help you with your fashion business or career. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe and share it with somebody you feel will benefit from this. As always, it's been a pleasure. See you next week. Bye.